Hi, and welcome to Believe in Your Shelf, the official podcast of Muskegon Area District Library. My name is Jen. I'm a youth services librarian, and I'm interested in discovering all that Muskegon has to offer. Things like library resources, recommendations, and so much more. So let's dive in. Hey all, welcome back. I am here today to make a confession. I am addicted to travel. I've been so, so fortunate to visit some truly amazing destinations. The other day, I was chatting with a coworker and we landed on the subject of travel. The way we raved about where we'd been and where we wanted to go really brought up some warm and fuzzy memories. That's what got the ball rolling on this episode. Now, books and travel are two of my favorite things in the entire world, aside from, you know, like my family. I am an enthusiastic travel reader, and once I get fixated on a place, I consume all the books about that place that I can find. I thought it would be fun to revisit some of my favorites, books I use to prepare for trips, or books that simply let me escape to those far-off lands. Turns out, I'm in pretty good company. Stick around and hear some travel tales from my fellow Maddow librarians. I was bitten by the travel bug long ago, but I hope some of these books will inspire some serious wanderlust in all of you as well. Europe on a Shoestring by Lonely Planet. I love this book so much, I own a copy. I know that doesn't say much to some people, but I don't buy books. I work at a library and I have been a lifelong library lover for as long as I can remember. I borrow the book, I read it, I return it. Why buy it when it's just going to sit on my shelf and I'm never going to read it again? But that is a whole different argument for a whole different podcast. So if I say I own this book, you know, things are pretty serious. Not only do I own it, I've dog-eared it, written in it, and highlighted it. I haven't been to Europe in over four years, but I still take it out like all the time and look at it. Maybe that makes me crazy, but if this love is wrong, I don't want to be right. Europe on a Shoestring is a nonfiction guidebook created by the travel company Lonely Planet. My copy was published in like 2010, so in terms of timeliness, it's pretty crusty. When I was using it to research for my trip to Iceland in 2018, I had to double check like all the recommendations in the book with their websites just to make sure they were still open and active. Maybe it's time to upgrade my edition, but I think I love it so much because I can flip through it whenever I want and be excited to hop on a plane. I can think about all the places I have yet to go and reminisce about all the places I've been lucky enough to experience. The only copy through Maddle right now is available on Hoopla, but don't let that stop you. Maybe the almost 900 pages of information can be a little daunting. But in ebook form, you don't even see how hefty that bad boy really is. And if you're still intimidated by size, check out some other Lonely Planet books on more specific countries or regions. Rick Steves also blows my mind with his fantastic guidebooks. To sum up, Europe on a Shoestring is a beast, but a fantastic beast that will keep its reader busy for hours daydreaming and planning for their next trip to Europe in a frugal yet enjoyable sort of way. Like I've said before, I am a huge Francophile. 
I studied French for four years through high school and then two more semesters in college. Turns out I am terrible at French language skills and I've retained very little of them. But that hasn't stopped me from devouring a great many books about people moving to Paris or anywhere in France, then staying because they fell in love with the country. It's so cliche, but I am a sucker for a good fluffy story. I've also been to France, so it brings back good memories. If y'all ever want to talk French things, I am your girl. I am all about those macarons and cafe au laits. An example of this type of story is called Lunch in Paris, A Love Story by Elizabeth Bard. Food is an essential part of the French culture. That's why it seems to be written in every French story. Lunch in Paris is a memoir about the author, Elizabeth, and how she goes to Paris, falls in love with a Frenchman, and never goes home to the States. It's a fairly well-known trope, but this one is especially nice because it has recipes written right in it. The story is about how she settles into her life in France and the speed bump she encounters along the way. It's a light and enjoyable read for anyone who dreams of France the way I do. Bonus, if you enjoyed this book, Bard has also written a follow-up, and it's called Picnic in Provence. So I was lucky enough to sit down with a couple of fellow librarians and chat about books and travel. Here we have Heidi, and she is the lead librarian of not one, but two libraries. Maddles Holton Branch and Montague Branch. I'm so, so lucky that this busy lady had some time to sit down and chat about her experiences. Hello, Heidi. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome. Thank you. So let's just dive right on into it. Where did you go, when, and for how long? All right, so I'm going to talk about um, a time in 2012 when I was living in the Republic of Georgia and I was able to travel to Iran for about three weeks. Yeah, I I took a train from the capital of Georgia, Tbilisi, uh, to Baku, Azerbaijan, and then a train to the northern Iranian border. Took a couple days, but it was it was a nice uh, nice trip. And then over the three weeks in Iran, I was able to visit some of the major cities there: Tehran, Yads, Esfahan, uh, Shiraz, and uh, Persepolis. Um, we couch surfed the entire time, um, even though technically speaking, uh, the couch surfing website is banned in Iran. But one of the best parts of the trip was getting to stay in real Iranian homes and meeting and talking to the people. I've been thinking about this trip um, a lot lately um, in my conversations that I had there. And as I hear more and more about book challenges that are happening in the United States, I'm reminded of hearing from so many Iranians that they would give anything to have the freedom to read whatever they want. And I think that it's easy for us to sort of forget how lucky we are that we get to choose for ourselves what we get to read. You Did you read books to prepare yourself? Did you take any books with you? Why or why not? So another um, expat who was living in Georgia at the time that I was gave me a Lonely Planet, um, as you talked about, um, Iran travel book before I left. Um, it was the 2008 edition, which was a few years before I went. Um, And it looked like it was pretty well used. Um, I was warned, though, that at the border it might be looked at and questioned and possibly confiscated. 
uh, because it was considered Western. I decided to take the chance and I took it with me. And although the border guards did thoroughly inspect my hiking backpack, um, I was able to hang on to the book and I used it, you know, while I was there. And I, I've often thought about this that now I didn't have a cell phone back then, um, but I have one now. And I often, when I travel now, use Hoopla or Libby or Cloud Library to download e uh, books for travel. And I wonder if that would have been looked at then if I would have had it then. I'm not I'm not sure what would have happened with that. But would they have like deleted it off your phone? I don't know. That's the thing. That I'm, a, I'm not sure. Guys do I don't get know. That in depth these days? It's a great question. And um, but yeah, I was I was worried that even things that I didn't think of that I had with me might be questioned or taken away and then then what do you do? You know, you just give them to them basically. <laughs> what books would you recommend to others if to read if they are passionate about travel or maybe one day want to go traveling? So I found that people differ greatly when it comes to planning their travel. Um, Some people like to read everything they can and know as much as possible before they leave. Guilty. (laughs) While others do very little research beforehand and sort of just learn as they go. And I definitely sort of fall into that latter category. (laughs) I... I don't do, as, as a librarian, you would think I'd be great at research and like to do research and like to have all the information I can. But when it comes to travel, I tend to not be that way. And I don't exactly know why that is. But I do feel like I, I like to get there and sort of experience it as I go and maybe not have some preconceived notion about what to expect or what to find there. Um, I do sometimes if I know that I want to go to certain places or if I know that I have some time in one space in one place that's a very short amount of time and I want to get the most out of it that I can, I might do some research to see, okay, where can I go? What can I see? What can I do? Um, But I have found the best way to really learn about a place is to talk to people who live there or to read books written by people who actually live there or who have even more so who have moved there from somewhere else. So it's often said that you often aren't a tourist in your own community, right? You live somewhere and maybe you haven't done all of the tourist things that could be done um, in that community. But if you've moved somewhere and and spent some time um, kind of exploring your new area, really good insights can sometimes come from that. So I find those types of books are really helpful when learning about what to, what to do in an area. Now, you talked about where you've been, but... <laughs> What's your next dream destination? So the two, I mean, I would basically go anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Like, I don't think there's anywhere that I wouldn't go. But (laughs) there are two places that have kind of been on the top of my list for a long time. And I just haven't made the trips happen for whatever reason. But the first um, is the Galapagos Islands. I would love to go to the Galapagos Islands, even though (laughs) I get seasick. And the (laughs) best way... (laughs) To visit the Galapagos Islands is by boat, and they're very protective of that area, and you have to take guided tours, and it's it's very, um, very structured, and it is mostly by boat. So I would have to come up with some way to get over that seasickness or t- put a patch on, or I mean, I, I know say, there's medication that, yeah, bracelets or, yeah, or something, like there'd have to be, I'd have to really do some research before I went and spent a week or more on a boat traveling around <laughs> these islands. Um, and then the second um, place is Ireland. Um, during the pandemic, when we all sort of had some more time on our hands because there wasn't a lot else going on, um, I used our Ancestry Library Edition mm-hmm. to start doing some genealogy research. Oh, cool. And my whole 
mother's grandmother's side of the family is from Ireland. And I did some, I did sort of just put my toe in the water of of this genealogy work because there is so much information out there. Um, But I would love to go see the places where my ancestors were. And again, that's just one branch of the family tree. So but once I, you know, get more into this, I'm sure there are other places that will be added to that list to see if I can track down some of my family history. So I think that would be a good trip too. Very cool. Well yeah. thanks a lot. Now I have two more things to add to <laughs> my bucket list. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today. Thanks Jen. I love to talk about travel and me too. anytime I don't th- I don't think we'd do so great on a trip together though because I would secretly have an itinerary everything for- planned yeah <laughs> and I'd be going let's just try this let's just go here no, absolutely not but but at 10 30 we have this yeah. tour planned it might be interesting that's okay we can just talk about it over coffee when that's we get right back. that's right <laughs> and they are the lead librarian at Mattel's LVPD branch. Welcome, and thanks for taking the time to hang out with me and talk about your trip in a sort of bookish way. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So, first and foremost, um, where did you go? I went to Japan uh, because I am a uh, long-time lover of Japanese culture and media uh, ever since I was a kid, and it's kind of like... I gotta go someday to kind of go and like be a part of the culture and like get all the things I can't get in America, like all of those the swag. (laughs) Um, When did you go and how long were you there? I went about six or eight years ago, but I went for two weeks with my partner. We had a really great time. We went to Tokyo and Kyoto. And I wish I could have spent longer, but I didn't have enough vacation time at my job. (laughs) So it was just what we could do for that. And I was actually able to uh, budget the trip to be under $5,000. Holy smokes, that's incredible. Half of it was the airfare. (laughs) No kidding. How long is the flight? Uh, About uh, 11, no, 16 hours. 16 hours. The first couple days were really rough. Um, we, I still had an itinerary. Mm-hmm. My partner, he's a lot more, um, laid back. So he was just kind of along for the ride. He isn't as much into Japanese culture. Did you do any reading? Did you have books that you consulted to prepare at all? I mean, I am a librarian. So yes, I did. <laughs> we can't help it. It's we in can't our nature. Ha- like I have to research everything before. Like, so one of the first things that really helped me out was when I was in college, um, I took Japanese as a language course oh, cool. um, because I've been into Japanese culture and media since I was in middle school, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I found that was offered and I had to take a language, I was like, sign me up. So, Easy choice. <laughs> yeah, I took it for two years. Um, two years is what's required to be at an elementary level, mm-hmm. as opposed to like usually if you do like Spanish, it's the first year's elementary and then you go up. Okay. Because Japanese is one of the hardest languages for English speakers to learn. I think only Chinese and Arabic are harder. Um, so, one of the things I really recommend is to learn some Japanese before you go, even if you are like, I don't even know what where to start. Even mm-hmm. just knowing the basics is really important because there's th- three different alphabets in Japanese. 
and not including like English, like Romanized English mm -hmm. translations. Um, and also just knowing basic phrases is really helpful because we went to Tokyo and mm -hmm. Tokyo is where most foreigners are. Some people in, uh, some Japanese people who live in the country have never seen a foreigner before. When we went there, a lot of things were written in English and Japanese, but the oh, people nice. didn't speak a lot of English. Okay. Even though English is required for students to learn, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I took six years of Spanish. If you ask me now, I would have no <laughs> idea. I would have some idea, but almost no idea. And so like, they might know simple things, but they won't know a lot. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, and they've never had to, because everyone speaks Japanese. Right. Right? They, they don't have to deal with that as much as like in America, we have lots of different languages that people speak. Not that we're very good at speaking other languages because we're in America, but like, um, I would recommend a textbook. Uh, the textbook I had for learning was called Genki, G-E-N-K-I. Um, and that's usually what's used in um, learning settings. It's like gold standard. It isn't cheap because it includes like CDs and things, and it's a college level course. Um, I do believe you can get, you know, phrase books mm -hmm. and things like that through the library, but also there are great resources like Pronunciator that we have. It's kind of similar to like uh, Duolingo mm -hmm. um, and that you can practice. And that's, um, even though I knew the language for many years before I went, right before I went, I was practicing nonstop Right. With you those get kinds rusty, of you get anxious about yeah, it, yeah, I'm like, everything goes right out of your brain. Where's the bathroom? The baño? <laughs> though that's the wrong language. <laughs> um, the people who spoke the best English were the people at our hotel, because we went to a hotel that specialized in foreigners. Oh, okay. So that they would, um, we would be able to communicate with the staff. Mm -hmm. um, and also, usually those are cheaper. Oh. <laughs> and then certain wards and things, that's how I was able to get... Um, the trip so cheap is I spent time researching like good hotels yeah. in areas that people don't usually go to. I also starred a lot of things on Google Maps mm -hmm. that I wanted mm -hmm. to go to. So then because I had my phone and I had a hotspot, I was able to use Google Maps. And Google Maps, when you're in a place you aren't familiar with, it actually helped us learn what subways to take. Oh, cool. And told us when they were showing up and not showing up. And this was like, you said like six years ago? Yeah. So I can't even imagine now it's probably even like Yeah, and now they have more that advanced. Google Lens thing. Yeah. Where you like to have it up on something and it'll translate it for you. I wish I had that. Oh my that would have been so cool. So nice. Another thing I would recommend is that if you are into Japanese culture, that you read some books similar to um, this one I have here. It's called The Cool Japan Guide, Fun in the Land of Manga, Lucky Cats and Ramen by Abby Denson. Um, it's a comic book writer's personal tour of Japan. And so I already knew a lot about Japanese culture, but what this did is it gave me an idea of what do I actually want to see as a person who is into Japanese culture. Um, because a lot of the tour books will give you like temples which are cool and mm -hmm. like shopping but I wanted to know where I was going to get the stuff I wanted and so finding those kinds of things that are based around what you're interested in right is Essential. really helpful and it's beautiful yeah I think she actually draws it herself it's not in it's not like a superb art style but it's interesting it's colorful it really draws you in 
and um, she goes over a lot of things that people might be um, hesitant to talk about, like here mm -hmm. she's talking about an onsen and how you are supposed to be completely naked mm -hmm. in an onsen, and so it preps you for like, okay, if I'm going to do that, I need to be naked. If you try mm -hmm. to wear a swimsuit, people are going to be very confused. So I found this incredibly helpful when I went, and it, it's a little dated now, but I think the majority of it is still accurate, mm -hmm. and there's probably newer ones out now that weren't out eight years ago. Right. You know. The last thing I would recommend is mm -hmm. one I took with me. Okay. One of the things I did is I got an eyewitness travel DK book. Mm -hmm. um, these are pretty much a good standard. They come out with new editions typically every year um, for each country or area. And they are really good. They have a lot of illustrations. Usually inside is um, an introduction to the country. So if you are going to a place you don't know as much about the culture, it'll give you like a rundown of the history, um, basic things you should understand, things like in Japan, um, they still do a lot with money, like actual physical money. Oh, there isn't money. as much use of cards. Um, other things in this book are specific areas that you should do, where you should eat, and like survival guides of like what you should know. So I, uh, I still have my notes in this one <laughs> when I took it with me, and I kept it with me because it also has a phrase book in the back oh, and a picture so of the helpful. Tokyo subway system. That looks complicated. It is very complicated. <laughs> um, and so it was really helpful to be like, okay, which one is this? Where do I need to go? I obviously bought my own because I wasn't going to take a library book with me to Japan. <laughs> um, but our library does have the most recent copy and so it's good to kind of go through that, and it gives you ideas of what you want to go see. Japan, awesome. Yeah. yeah. What's your next destination on the horizon? I really want to go back to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the reasons is that, so when we, we had four days in Tokyo and three days in Kyoto, and when we went to Kyoto, we did the um, first day, we did a tour to see all the big things, mm -hmm. and then I had other plans for the other two, and then a typhoon hit. Oh my gosh. And so we spent the last two days cooped up in our hotel. Um, and the one time we tried to venture out to go to a mall nearby, we were uh -huh. soaked even though we had umbrellas because it was raining like sideways. So yeah, uh, I'd love to go back and do the things I didn't want to get to do. Um, my partner has been to China and Spain. Wow. And so I would love to go to both of those places as well. Uh -huh. um, I would really like to go over like Ireland and the UK or Mexico. Just just all the things? Just all, basically all the things. The main place <laughs> I want to go back to is Japan. And that's because I'm just a one-track kind of person. Um, I feel like if I had to pick one that wasn't Japan that I really wanted to go to, mm -hmm. I would really want to go to Spain and see the Mediterranean mm -hmm. and see all of the like cultural things there. I think that would be really neat. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. I know you are an incredibly busy human. But I love to hear from you, and hopefully, spoilers, we can talk about all the dumb questions I have about manga in the future. Yeah! No, I, like I said, I've been reading it forever, so if you have any questions, I still read it regularly. I can, I can hook you up with that. Awesome. Well, I'll see you next time, then. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media. 
catch all the latest from us, you can follow Madel on Instagram at MuskegonADL and on Facebook at Muskegon Area District Library. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Believe in Your Shelf.